The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventure's pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 136, it's time to have an instant reaction recap to the Mountaineers' Mayo Bowl victory down in Charlotte against the Tar Heels, 30-10 to cap off this 2023 season. I'm Wesley Euler. You are in the Gun and uh, as always, let's get this started with a little cracking of a cold one here. Salute. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Got to love it. Just like you got to love uh, the good vibes. Closing this one down with a victory. It's what we wanted. It's what we needed. And um, it feels really good here. Getting to that ninth win. Ending the season on a high note. You obviously now feel uh, great heading into the offseason. A lot of momentum having your best year here since 2018 with the majority of the core of this team returning a lot of reasons to have a smile a lot of reasons to be optimistic if you are a wvu fan thanks as always to our friends at bet online for presenting this episode of itg where the game starts and to our day one sponsor toothman ford there in grafton we all know cars cost less in grafton make sure you get your butt to grafton for all of your vehicle needs big shout out to jr and toothman ford uh, for all they do for us here on the podcast, and of course for all they do for WVU student athletes, we're always asking you to support those who support us, and of course Toothman Ford at the forefront of supporting your Mountaineers. So, thirty to ten over the Tar Heels in a game that felt that comfortable at times, and at other times, hey, credit to UNC, they hung in there. But WVU was in the driver's seat maybe took a little bit longer than we all wanted to put them away and put some distance between the teams and separate and, again, feel comfortable about that one. But I think about a 20-point win, you know, about a three-touchdown win uh, is apt for WVU. You love the start, right? I mean, first play of the game, you take the football, first play of the game, 75-yard touchdown pass, off and running from there. And, you know, when you've got Connor Harrell, uh, Connor Harrell, pardon me, for UNC, who's making his first start well, I guess first start right against an FBS opponent. He did start an, an, an FCS game there at the end of the season uh, for the Tar Heels, but really hasn't seen much action or anything like that. Uh, a true freshman who's still really wet behind the ears. When he's down 7 nothing before he even runs off the sideline for UNC, that's not a place you want to be. So loved the fast start for the Mountaineers. That was important. You've got a Carolina offense again with a, a brand new quarterback and a couple other important pieces uh, that were true freshmen. And 
when they take the field for their first snap, they're down seven, nothing already. So loved the, the start. You couldn't script a better start for WVU. Um, and then, you know, just a few possessions later, the Tar Heels are driving, maybe feeling a little bit better about themselves. And you get that huge uh, end zone interception by Aubrey Burks. Uh, Harold looking for one of his tight ends there on a seam route, overthrows him, and Aubrey Burks is ready to capitalize. And a big shout out to Jed Drenning, right? He told us Carolina uh, without their three scholarship tight ends in this game, and they're an offense that relied heavily on their tight end position. What would that look like? Well, right away, a little miscommunication there, a slight overthrow in the end zone. Aubrey Burks able to take that one away. That was a big moment. Now, you did have the DJ Oliver fumble. Uh, just a few plays later for WVU on the ensuing possession when he had an easy first down. That was brutal in the moment. And again, while it still felt like you were in the driver's seat, while you're still in control, that was one of those, okay, we're letting the Tar Heels hang around. You know, feels like we're a better team than them, feels like we're in control, but all of a sudden they've got some momentum, they got some life, they're hanging around. And you did, you just allowed too many third down conversions throughout that game. Uh, at one point late in the second half, North Carolina was five for seven on third down conversions. And most of those were down in distance. Most of those were third and eight, third and 14, third and 15, where you were just letting Harold sit back and be too comfortable. We'll get to good, bad, ugly here in just a second. And I'll give a game ball in a few minutes before we get out of here. Uh, but spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that again. Connor Harrell was just, in large part, and down the stretch, you finally got that script reversed, and that was a big part of what allowed you to win by 20 points and feel more comfortable down the stretch. But for a large portion of that game, Connor Harrell was just too comfortable, and that allowed too many third-down conversions. Again, a, 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 the majority of those, it's not like they were third and two or third and three or third and manageable for the Carolina offense. You were winning on first down, you were winning on second down, and then you were letting them bail themselves out on third down. A couple untimely calls didn't help in that regard, right? I, I don't want to harp on officiating in a game that WVU won by 20 points, but man, there were some some real bad ones there, right? There was that sequence where there was a terrible pass interference call on WVU that kept the drive alive for Carolina, and then an obvious offensive pass interference in the end zone where Beanie Bishop just got two-handed across the back right in his shoulder blades, and they didn't call that. That was frustrating. That was just an incredible sequence but you know what? Big plays were another theme of this one for WVU. Obviously, the 75-yard touchdown pass to Traylon Ray to start the game, but also right when you needed it, uh, the Beanie Bishop touchdown return, punt return touchdown for the Mountaineers. Uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, talk a lot about Beamer ball, right? How about some Neil Brown ball? You get the turnover on the one punt that sets you up in good field position. You get the Beanie Bishop uh, punt return touchdown which was crucial in that moment. You finally got some bounces on special teams. Uh, that was part of why you were able to maintain a, a distance on North Carolina despite some things not going your way. It was, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of hot at halftime. I mean, you, you had a lot of the bad penalty calls. You had WVU was, some of those were self-inflicted wounds on the penalties. Some of those holding calls were, were just bad. They were the right call for the couple that the refs missed as well too, but you know, the offense only had 52 rush yards at the half. You finish with, let me look here, a buck 64. So you're able to get that moving in the second half, more than 100 yards rushing in the second half. But for an offense that averaged over 200 yards uh, per game on the ground, to only have 52 at the half, that was frustrating. Some of the stuff with the officiating was frustrating. Some of the stuff with the defense giving up way too many third down conversions was frustrating. But you had the lead at halftime. Still felt like you were in the driver's seat. At halftime, you get a huge interception from Bradley, the one-handed snag there 
right. Um, and the offense couldn't capitalize there on the ensuing drive, but um, yeah, yeah, and you had another shoot yourself in the foot moment on that where you get off the field on third down, it's fourth down, and you're off sides while, while Carolina's putting the football, and that elongates the drive for them. But that's maybe, you know, that's a glass half full thing. You can look at it pessim- pessimistically and say, we shot ourselves in the foot a few times. We had some dumb penalties, some, some mistakes and crucial moments that let Carolina hang around longer than they should have. Or you can look at it and you can say, hey, we didn't play our best game. We weren't buttoned up and we still won comfortably. That's the type of group. That's the type of talent that you have. And you're bringing that back next year. So I guess it just depends on how you look at it, right? Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Um, but then early in the fourth quarter, you finally have that big drive. Jaheim White has that, that cut at the goal line to get into the end zone, which my goodness, my ankles and my knees just broke looking at that thing. You started to feel good there. You got the fake field goal as well, too, with Phil Brady in the house of all things. You had to love that one. Felt like you were going for the throat. Still had to settle for a field goal there. But by that point, we were all feeling good. Uh, speaking of, let's get this uh, let's get this done here. Let's wrap this up. Final few minutes here. Let's do this is what we always do on these instant reactions, right? We have to give a good, we have to give a bad, we have to give an ugly and a game ball. Before I do that, another thank you to our friends at Fortis, the best commercial roofing business in the country for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Visit Fortis.us.com. All right, let's start with the good. From the opening kickoff, it felt like you were in command of that game. Uh, you were in the driver's seat from play one. Even when it was close, it felt like we were still in control. That was the good for me. Even when you were worried, you were like, eh, I shouldn't be that worried. We're all right. Also, the timely moments got to be under the good as well, too. Uh, the start, the turnovers and timely moments, the Beanie Bishop punt return when you really needed some life. There was a lot of frustrating, maybe not a lot, but there was a handful of frustrating interim moments there. But when it really came time to put up or shut up in those kind of crucial moments that every game swings on, uh, the Mountaineers were ready to go in those moments. The majority of those moments went their way. And that's why you always felt like you were in control. That's the good for me. Uh, the bad was, again, this is a glass half full, glass half empty, optimistic, pessimistic thing. You were too reliant on those splash plays. You were too reliant on those moments. You made some mistakes in the interim. You let North Carolina hang around in the interim. You shot yourself in the foot too many times in the first 40, 45 minutes or so of that game. And then as well, too, a bad for me, the run game just wasn't really a factor until late in that one. And you got away with it because you were a better team than North Carolina, and they had some key guys sitting out as well, too, you know, sitting out the bowl game, getting ready for the NFL draft. But 52 yards on the ground at halftime, that's not the recipe for success for this team. So run game really wasn't a factor until down the stretch. And hey, sometimes that's enough. And certainly it was tonight. Um, but that could have cost you in a more even matchup against a better opponent. So that's my bad. Uh, ugly here. I don't know. I mean, I could talk about the officiating, right? There were some real, real bad moments there in that second quarter. It swung the game and felt like they kept Carolina in it at halftime. Um, but I'm going to go with... Connor Harrell was way too comfortable for the majority of that game. That led to too many third down conversions. Again, late in the second quarter, North Carolina was five for seven on third down conversions. And most of those were down in distance. That can't happen. You outclassed this team. West Virginia was clearly better than North Carolina. But in a more even matchup, in a matchup where you're not the better team, you're not going to get away with that stuff. Point blank, period. So ugly for me, a freshman quarterback 
looked way too comfortable at times, who was making kind of his first true start, right? Got some some action at times against some FCS opponents and things like that. Um, but Harrell was too comfortable for the majority of that game. You let way too many third down conversions, keeping UNC in it, keeping them confident and engaged on offense longer than they should have been. And then, yeah, some of that officiating stuff was terrible. There's a funny joke in there about how that was a Big Ten officiating crew, and apparently Big Ten is courting North Carolina, right? And maybe that was them trying to get North Carolina on their good side was just just some ridiculous calls in the first half to keep them in the game. But it's hard to pick ugly from that. There were moments, but overall, um, more, much more of what you wanted to see uh, than left to be desired. So there's my good, bad, and ugly. Uh, game balls, Garrett Green's got to get one without a doubt. I mean, this offense just goes as he goes, right? 228 yards in the air for a touchdown, 64 yards on the ground, averaging over seven yards per carry. Uh, Garrett Green's got to get a game ball. Maybe Traylon Ray and Hudson Clement, Clement as well, too. How about that? The two true freshman wide receivers for WVU combined for nearly 200 yards receiving and a touchdown. That's one of those, again, like I said, maybe what you like most about this game in this season is not WVU winning nine games again and getting back on the right path, but it's what it means for 2024 when you were really able to get some positive momentum this year and you did it with such a young class of guys, the majority of whom are returning next season. You got to love that. Uh, another game ball. How about to Lee Koba? I thought he had in what was a season of, uh, of great games for the, for the WVU linebacker. Um, he was, he was very good tonight, particularly in moments where the Mountaineers needed him. I think he deserves a game ball. How about one for Beanie Bishop as well, too? He got beat once or twice in the first half, but was locked down in the second half had obviously the punt return touchdown, which was a huge momentum moment in this game. Um, I think those would be the ones for me that I'm kind of doing this on the fly here off the top of my head for my game balls. Uh, how about to Neil Brown too? You know what? Let's say this for the WVU head coach, Neil Brown, who in his first four years at WVU had three losing seasons who had a losing record in his first four years at WVU for him to do what he did this year. He deserves a pat on the back. Uh, the vibes going into this year were not great, right? I know that, you know, that we all know that. Um, in fact, you might even call them atrocious. This felt like a dead season for WVU. It felt like a wasted year. Everyone assumed, okay, we've got this new athletic director, Ren Baker, and it's just going to be a matter of time until he fires the football coach and we start a new era. There's 14 teams in the Big 12. 14. You were picked 14th out of 14. You had Cincinnati and BYU and Houston and who am I forgetting? Central Florida all coming into the conference. The four newcomer teams got picked ahead of you in the preseason poll. I mean, the vibes were atrocious. You opened the season on the road at Penn State and lost by three touchdowns. I mean, a lot of people were sitting around thinking, we're going to have to stomach this season. It's going to be painful. We're going to fire the coach, and then maybe we can start to talk about getting things turned around. Instead, from that point, after losing out at Penn State, WVU went 8-3 and three down the stretch. And if it wasn't for if you if you could have knocked down a Hail Mary in the end zone in Houston, you would have been nine and two after that opener at Penn State, 10 and two if you include the bowl game. So nine and three after that opener, after that opening loss, you got to give a big, a big tip of the cap to Neil Brown. A lot of people thought this is it for Neil Brown. Why did we bring him back for a fifth year? What are we doing? We've got a new athletic director. It's only a matter of time. This year's gonna be a disaster. We're gonna fire him, and then hopefully. 
you know, we'll start to get things turned around. Hell, I said it. You could probably go back on the record and look in August when we were doing our season preview here on the podcast. I said, guys, all I really want to do this year is beat Pitt. That's my only wish. I don't think we're going to be very good. I don't think we're going to go to a bowl game. Just beat Pitt for me so I can at least have that, right? They went 8-4 and four regular season. And again, if they could knock down a Hail Mary, 9-3, and three, after that, that, you know, that just frustrating, miraculous win for, for Houston. You finish 9-4. and four, You've got a great chance to be ranked when the final polls come out here in a couple weeks. Neil Brown deserves a game ball. And that's how I'll wrap this thing up. Um, nine wins feels great comparing it to where this program has been the last couple years. You had back-to-back losing seasons. You've had losing seasons in three of the last four years. It was your worst four-year stretch since the 70s, since before Don Nealon came in and really resurrected the WVU program, took us to a national championship game. You know, you guys know the story of Coach Nealon, the, the winningest coach in program history who kind of resurrected WVU football in the 80s. It was our worst stretch since before Don Nealon in the 70s. So to go from that to nine wins feels great, you know, considering where the program has been the last couple of years. And like I said, when you piggyback that with the core of this team coming back in 2024, it feels even better. You should be ranked in a couple of weeks when the final polls come out. You should be ranked heading into next season in 2024. You should feel as good about this team heading into an offseason as you have since 2017, when we had Will Greer and David Sills and Gary Jennings and Yadni Kajust and David Long and all those guys coming back, right? And that season where WVU spent a, a large season, a large chunk of the season in the top 10 and, you know, had a chance to play Oklahoma with some Big 12 championship ramifications on the line. This is the most optimistic that I am, that you are, that Mountaineer Nation is since 2017 when we had Will Greer and all those guys coming back. That's what feels the best about this nine win season, not just getting things turned around and you're picked to finish 14th out of 14th in the big 12 and you finish fourth out of 14th. Hell, if I would have told you all before the season started, we're going to go nine and four and we're going to have a double digit win against Pitt in the regular season. We would all sign for that in blood. We'd have been like, you effing kidding me. Yeah. I thought we were going to win four games this season. We're only going to lose four. Let's do it. So hats off to, uh, to Neil Brown, to his staff, to all the guys involved in getting that thing turned around. And again, this season, how we view it, I think will be largely shaped by 2024. WVU has the type of 2024 we think they can. Plays in the Big 12 championship game in December. Potentially goes to the college football playoff. We're going to look back on this season real fondly as the stepping stone for that. And so that's why it's great. You're carrying all this momentum in the offseason. Go hit the portal. Go get involved with Country Roads Trust. Go get this snowball continuing to roll. Because if, if, if you stagnate in 2024, or if this means nothing in 2024 and you take a step back, we won't remember this year as fondly. But right now, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And like I said, the most encouraging part of that is, is what it could mean, what it should mean for the future. Final word. I, I told you guys earlier, when we did our regular season review episode like two weeks ago after the regular season, I told you my favorite thing was that I enjoyed watching this team again. It was like the first time in five years that I've really looked forward to Sundays that I wasn't all doom and gloom, like, oh, great, I got to watch the Mountaineers, and then I got to go do a show about this and talk about this. No, I was excited to watch this team play this year. I enjoyed, for the first time in a long time, watching this team play this year. Well, I can't wait for next year. End of August, Labor Day weekend, Penn State coming to Morgantown to open the season in what should be two ranked teams in prime time on a Saturday night 
in Mountaineer Field rocking. Can't wait. And uh, that's going to sustain me for the next eight months with a big, stupid smile across my face as it finally feels like we've got some air breathed back into Mountaineer football. So that's it. That's all I got to say. Oh, by the way, three straight wins for WVU against the ACC. Eat it, you yuppies. A final thank you to our friends at Johnson Equipment. Make sure you're visiting their new location on Route 33 right outside of Weston. We got some new friends here on the show and Johnson Equipment certainly at the top of that list. We'll be back in a couple days. This is just a quick little instant reaction of me and, and some booze and some good vibes as the Mountaineers 30-10 to 10 victors in the Mayo Bowl against the Tar Heels, getting that ninth win, finishing the season with some good vibes and some good momentum. Uh, but a couple days from now, we'll get the gang together, Jed and Owen. We'll break this whole thing down. We'll get the beer truck's thoughts. We'll talk to Jed about everything he saw down there in Charlotte on the sideline. If you if you were watching the game at the end, you saw Jed's big, happy face standing behind Neil Brown like 37 times. So plenty to talk about as we roll along into the offseason with some momentum. And uh, you got to feel good. As, as our buddy Tony Caridi would say, it's a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. The one thing we ask of you, as always, is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. For Jed Drenning, for Owen Schmidt, for our producer, Skyler, I'm Wes Euler. Take care, everybody. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Beat the hell out of Carolina. Let's go get ranked. Let's carry some momentum into 2024. You've been in the gun. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.